Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Boston Podcast, live from San Jose, California. I'm your co-host, Guru Ram Prakash, and along with me in Monterey, California, is my other co-host, Vikram Khan. We're here to talk about the, the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals, and talk about the games that uh, we happen to talk about on the podcast. And also at the end, if we have time, we want to talk about Chauncey Billups heading, heading to Portland, what that means. And uh, maybe if we have some more time, we'll talk about some NBA rumors, but chances are we will not have time for that. Uh, Vikram, it's so great to have you on the podcast again. Absolutely, man. I'm really glad to talk some hoops with you here. Uh, a lot of, let's say, fun-ish games going on. I mean, it doesn't really feel like a conference finals, unfortunately. But unfortunately, that, it doesn't. The, these are... It doesn't seem like the top two teams in the conference going at it, right? Nope, it really doesn't. And the, you know. Well, okay, so let me start at the the podcast. What, what is the best conference finals you've ever seen in your life? The best conference final series. I mean, that Rockets-Warriors series from a couple of years ago was pretty darn good. Well, that was pretty top-notch. Yeah, I thought level that was a level of play was very good, yeah. God, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to go back. I'm trying to go back, back, back in the day. Kings Lakers, two thousand two. Yeah, that was a good one too. That, that was, was a really very fantastic good series. series. Yeah, no, no, you're you're spot on. Yeah, okay. and then going, coming, coming back. Uh, mm, I'm, I'm I'm trying to like. I mean, none of the Warriors series were that great, honestly. So, like outside of that, uh, outside of that one, some of them were pretty average, you know. Mavs Thunder, the one where the Mavs won. In the conference uh, finals, that was a good series. I wouldn't call. Oh, it Thunder, best. Thunder Warriors, dude. Thunder Warriors, yeah, Thunder Warriors. That was a hell of a series. So I'm, I'm with that one. Thunder gave the Warriors all they could handle, dude. They absolutely did. Yep, yep, yep. And um, yeah, okay. Well, I, I nothing on the Eastern Conference side. Uh, well, that's because the Cavs, Celtics, and, Cavs, yeah, the Cavs. Yeah, the Cavs. I mean, it's just LeBron James' brilliance, right? Yeah. And then the Heat, the the Heatles teamed up and pretty much made every conference finals matchup look. Yeah, not uh, so great. Not so. so great, exactly. So, okay, well, well, that was that was a good start to our podcast, like a different. Yeah, like let's uh, yeah. go back into the way uh, way back machine, kind of. But, right, yeah. right, and now let's come back to the present. And let's talk to Suns and Clippers. So, uh, I mean, we'll first talk about Game Four because we haven't discussed that. That was one of the more weirder, weirder offensive games I've ever seen. Uh, there were stretches during the game where no team could hit a shot. There was a serious, there was seriously a lid on the hoop, and it was more so a lid on the hoop for the Clippers than it was for the Suns. And uh, because the Clippers shoot more threes, uh, the lid on the hoop was like more, just way more apparent for them. They could not get over the hum. They could not ever take a lead in the game. And because of that, the Suns were able to take advantage of that. Uh, Monty Williams put together a primer why you should always foul up three when the shot clock is off. That's like, uh, I mean, that that was like brilliantly executed by the Suns in that game. And and the Suns went up 3-1. But uh, beware of the 3-1 lead, Vikram. Beware of the 3-1 lead. And it's, it's true in a way. Like, if you look at it, the 3-1 lead, the the team that's up three games to one, they sort of get like this false sense of security in a way. It's it's sort of weird to explain. And for the team that's down three one, the all they are all they're doing is taking it one game at a time. And if they do win that three one game and make it three two, like the Clippers did tonight, 
then, you know, they're one game away from tying the series. And, you know, they, they have the momentum going into a game seven, uh, potentially. But, like, coming back to what happened in game five, more specifically, uh, the Clippers got jump-started on offense to start the game. Uh, they they really went on on the break. That's really the difference. They got easy buckets in transition. Um, they were able to rebound the the Suns' long long threes and just and just put pressure on the Suns to play transition defense, which they weren't able to do early on in the game. Um, and then uh, the Suns made their made their uh, runs and tried to try and come back, but none of them were very successful. Paul George had a masterful performance, 41 points, uh, albeit he had some, uh, he had a couple of key turnovers here and there, but brilliant performance. But I, I mean, Reggie Jackson, Mr. June. And, uh, and Markeith Morris, or sorry, Marcus Morris as well. Marcus Morris, you know, Marcus, yeah. role players like and Demarcus Cousins. Yes. Yeah. And freaking Demarcus Cousins comes in and just banks some heads. Like, can I just go with my overall takeaway here? Because you sure. know, we talk about all these players having great games. Right. So here's the thing. The Clippers should have been playing small the entire time. The entire time. And the reason series. for that is apparently the Suns cannot get DeAndre Ayton the ball when he's guarded by Terrence Mann. He shot nine shots today, and a bunch of those were like kind of missing his own offensive rebound. He was thoroughly ineffective. He looked like – it felt like watching the Jazz series again – Rudy Gobert absolutely doing nothing on offense. That's what it looked like tonight. It felt the exact same. Down to the, oh, the big man kind of tips the ball up and gets the ball taken away. Like, I can think of at least 15 possessions. Ball hits the rim. He kind of bats at it. Some other clipper, because they come down and gang rebound, gets the dang ball, ignites the break. They score a fast break attempt. Like, rinse and repeat. And Ty Lue threw another lovely wrinkle at it. They played small when Aiton was in the game, and when Sarge was in the game, they banged some heads with DeMarcus Cousins, who still at this point in his career is quite good. DeMarcus Cousins can put the ball in the bucket. He'll probably be able to put the ball in the bucket when he's 40, and he has no legs. He's going to be able to do that at age 50, man. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, like, I mean, he's, he's big. He's got good touch, and he understands how to make the move. And if you're Dario Saric, you're, like, not big enough to really guard him. And uh, on the opposite side, like, they weren't able to take advantage of it because they weren't playing. uh... Oh, the other thing is I think campaign is hurt because he only played 12 minutes. Mm. So, you know, like we said, that's uh, that's a pretty big deal for them. I mean, the Suns were able to take a little bit of advantage of it at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like, uh, Devin Booker got some, like, free, free runs to the rim. They they have to milk that a little bit more for if they want. But the the problem is they don't know when Demarcus Cousins is playing. Like Demarcus Cousins could easily play zero minutes the next game, easily. But like I mean, given that they don't have Zubox, they they probably need that ro- those rotation minutes. And Cousins provides something when Paul George is on the bench, and that's like instant offense, like microwave, put up a three, microwave post up this guy microwave like get catch okay i mean get, catch an entry pass from uh from nick batum and just finish it um and and that's like and and that helps in in small bursts like the, the, those are the runs that make a difference in the game uh and i mean you you hit the nail on the head with your first take like what are centers doing in the nba these days i mean it's it's rough man like i felt like nick batum was the best center he and won't. it's and it's just it's so disappointing because 
there's no advantage to being really big in the paint, right? Like you don't really get foul calls. You don't really get to the line that much. When Paul George and Devin Booker and Chris Paul can like rip through and get free throws that way after enough time where you can just even watching like Dario Saric and DeMarcus Cousins go at it. There's more contact in like those possessions than anything on the perimeter. And oh, yeah. this is a, this is an officiating issue until that changes. I don't, I mean, I just think centers are being increasingly marginalized, even if they are good offensive centers and Deandre Ayton's one of the best. Deandre Ayton is one of the best offensive centers in the game. Like it, this is not Rudy Gobert. Like DeAndre Aiden is legitimately one of the best offensive centers in the game. He can put the ball in, and he and he showed that games one, games one and games two. He really, really did show that like he can he can really hoop and he can put the ball in the hoop. But that was because the Clippers were playing Ivica Zubox, and in no way or shape or form is he a matchup for DeAndre Aiden. In, in no world is that is that the case. So uh, when the Clippers went small today and we put Nick Batum, like, I, I, I mean, this got, that got me thinking, like, should the Warriors just go Kelly Oubre at center next year? Like, seriously. Well, Draymond Long Green, wingspan? really. Like, why it, not? It's really, it's really Draymond Green at that center. But Yeah, of course, of course. But, yeah. But, I mean, I guess so, man. Like, at this point. At this point, you just, just got to have a long wingspan and, like, get, get in the passing lanes. If you allow a bucket here and there, so what? It's just a two-pointer, right? It's and, and that's the thing, right? With and be physical. Worth be physical. Yeah. Yeah. With it worth as much as it is, it's just – it's a tough one, man. I I don't really know what you do at this point as far I mean, as the center. At, at this point, I mean, if, if you're the Suns, you got to counter by playing – what's his face? Taylor, uh, Torrey Craig at center? No, I mean, I don't think you can do it, man. I think you have to you have to ride and die with eight. You have to find better ways to get him the ball so he can dunk every possession. Like the Clippers shot seventy five percent in the first half on twos. I mean, like, I mean, like, I just I don't understand. It was a terrible defensive game by the Suns. Terrible. It was an, it was an okay offensive game, man. Like they they got decent looks and stuff like that, but overall they weren't able to defend particularly well. The Suns Paul had a better Georgia, offensive game. The Suns had a better offensive game than they had in game four. That's true. And uh, Paul George did have a fantastic game. So, like, we do – that does need to be said. Reggie Jackson. I mean, yeah, Reggie Reggie Jackson has just been Mr. June. And uh, he's playing himself into quite the contract. Oh, yeah. The way way he's been hitting threes, like, and I used to have Reggie Jackson on my fantasy team. And I would, like, the only reason he was on my fantasy team was because – he, he he would get to 20 points somehow some way he would get to 20 points on the pistons and, and this it, it was horrible efficiency it, it killed me like internally watching him miss so many shots as many shots as he did with with the pistons maybe it's the glasses and the visor i don't know but um I, something is working for him with the clippers and uh i mean in, in, now it's 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 a lower number of attempts catch and shoot higher efficiency but he's even making moves, making moves into the paint. He's dunking on dudes. Yep. I mean, the, the complete offensive game is. This is the best Reggie Jackson has played since he came off the bench for the Thunder. Yeah, back in his uh, Mister Mister October days. Mister October days. <laughs> okay. Dude. I mean, yeah, it's true. 
And, and, and okay, well, I mean, coming back to the macro of the series, now uh, the Suns find themselves up three to two. And, uh, you know, this is where you sort of have to stem the tide if you're them. Like, you don't, you don't want this to get out of hand, right? We, we've seen this get out of hand many times in NBA history by this point. Like, 3-1 is not safe. In fact, 3-1 is probably what you don't want to be up in a series when, you know, like, when, you, when it comes to that, right? So, how, I mean, how do the Suns... I mean, like, we would have felt so much better if the Clippers had won game four and the Suns won game five. Right. Oh yeah. Now, oh, yeah. and now we don't feel like it. Like now we feel like the Suns are going to lose the series. I think I texted you halfway in the uh, halfway in the middle of the last one, where I was like, or in the in the middle of the third quarter, I was like, yeah, Suns are going to lose this, and I think the Clippers are going to make it to the finals. So I mean, I like, I think like that's my that's being my a three one being right a three one is not an advantage. It's not. I mean, it is an advantage in the like in from a, from a theoretical point of view, but like from a practical point of view, you're. I mean, you you the Clippers. I don't want to say they have nothing to lose, but they did definitely played like it today. Yeah, basically. And I mean, I mean, they they go back to they go back to Los Angeles. Like you could draw up a scenario where the Clippers are actually up three or up three one, right? If they found I mean, a way to you win could, game two, and they you found could make a way an argument for they're up three one, so and they could I have mean, won tonight. Like this is not even like a Warriors Cavs sort of situation where the Warriors legitimately won all three of those games, and the Cavs somehow flipped the series on its head and won the next three games. The Clippers have been. In most of these games, I mean, it, game game three was a blowout for the Clippers. Game one was a blowout for the Suns. Every other game has been close. It could have gone either. I mean, uh, except for game five today. I mean, ga- this was pretty much the Clippers game. Like games two and four could have gone either way. So, like, if you're if you're the Suns, you got to be cognizant of that fact and realize that hey, this cl- this series is closer than it appears. And if I mean, if Devin Booker and Chris Paul have another, I mean, have have bad games again then you're going to a game seven where your backs are against the wall, even though you're going to be at home. I mean, do you feel great about the, your chances if you let the Clippers win two consecutive games? I'm not sure. And if, if the Clippers win, like I predict that they win by double digits. I really do. I think you're not wrong. If, if, the, if the Suns want to win, it's in, a, it's in a close game. It's in a close game. Yeah. At this point. It's not great, man. Not great at all for the Suns. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the I think the Clippers deserve a heck of a lot of credit for coming back in the series. And My yeah, God. I mean, if they come back, I mean, Game Six, keys to the Clippers, keep pushing tempo, keep making Devin Booker um, guard, right, and. Um, Get your shots. That's and, and keep playing small. Keep playing small, like, they, like yeah. I think even, the, the even small... last year the Clippers were the best small team in the NBA. They just ran into Nikola Jokic, and I guess like he's the one center that is a, is a matchup problem against a small against a small lineup. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Just because of the way he can facilitate offense and. 
he he accounts for so many points on offense who Nikola Jokic does that like you 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 really do need to find a defender for him otherwise it's it's a long day anyways like I mean moving on if you don't mind Vikram um, yeah absolutely yeah yeah moving on Bucks Bucks and Hawks I mean Trey Young man uh, I and, and like this is like injuries in general uh, but. He turns his ankle in the third quarter. I had to jump to that moment because it's such a big moment in the series. It's the only chance the Hawks had of making this a very competitive series. Trey Young going off. Uh, but it, it just looks, I mean, after he turned his ankle on the ref's foot, he, he did not look the same. Uh, he has a bone bruise, which is very, very problematic. He, he's probably getting treatment as we speak. He is... Uh, probably going to play these these next couple of games but uh, i guarantee you after that first or second quarter the adrenaline is going to just wear off and you're going to see him struggling a little bit uh like you just like you saw donovan mitchell struggle in the jazz clipper series and when trey young is, is struggling on the hawks the hawks are, are helpless because uh he trey young is the main ball handler the main scorer the entire offense revolves around him and um, the the Bucks obviously they have all all of their talent on the floor. In in game in game three, Chris Middleton found his offense uh, yet again. And and if that is the case, and if Chris Middleton can sustain that for the rest of the series, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Yeah, basically. In other words, <laughs> like that's that's what it kind of, kind of comes down to. In other if words, Chris Middleton is uh, is good to go. Yeah, this is it's gonna be over, man. It's over. It is absolutely over. But you know, we were kind of waiting for this from Chris Middleton. To be honest, it had been yeah. yeah. If it did not and show so, up, that would have been a problem in and of itself. Yeah, um, and I'm really glad that Chris Middleton is finally having these like efficient games because uh, certainly it had been missing over the last few games although he had he you know he had some good games in the net series as well some actually quite frankly amazing games in the net series so i guess we can't like you know he just had a, a rough first couple games the hawks are kind of a weird matchup apparently now so we'll see but yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't think that frankly i just don't see uh much of a chance that i don't see that there's much of a chance right now for them to win like without Trey Young being crazy, I don't think there's any way. I mean, you're you're spot on. I I, I really really don't know. And I mean, Giannis figured out in Game Three, no one's going to be able to guard him. He is just. I mean, and the and the Hawks they're they're not building the wall because they don't have the personnel to build the wall. Exactly. And that is the that is the other thing. I mean, with the Hawks, was like if you're gonna improve anything in the offseason, if you're gonna like, I, I guess your defense. But then again, I mean, they've gotten this far with their offense, and just it just shows like going back to our previous argument. This has become such an offensive inclined league, right? And I mean, again, I mean the, the Hawks. I mean, have players who can score the ball. You wish Bogdan Bogdan Bogdanovich was more healthy. Uh, I mean, that would be that would have been a great thing to see for the Hawks in this series, especially. But, yeah, especially you know, with uh, with Trey hurting the way he is right now, mm-hmm. they could yeah. really, really they, use him. 
use this use some bogdan right and uh like if you're going and looking at a postmortem for the hawks like it's i mean they had a great great year i don't really know how much they can improve from this point other than yeah with like, this pers- roster with this other than personal improvement like kevin herter taking a step up and becoming an all-star which i don't i don't quite see but you know we've seen weirder weirder things in the nba um john collins like they could technically re-sign him but that would really like handcuff them in terms of financial flexibility moving forward uh and uh, like and this year was a very it was a year with very special circumstances you can easily see the hawks going in the next year and losing in the first round you really could yeah i mean uh, that's that's kind of the problem for them is i just don't see fantastic ways for them to actually to really improve from this point forward so We'll see, man. I'm I'm really interested to see what they can do moving forward, but I don't see uh, a lot happening for them in, in uh, that uh, respect. A part of it is that they used all their cash and all their ammo in last year's free agency. I mean, and, and I don't quite blame them. Like Bogdan is a great signing. However, and took, yeah, I mean, if he's right? not healthy, you know, it's not healthy, he, right? Right, exactly. And he was not healthy for the majority of this year, but when he was healthy the Hawks were playing like one of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah, which is, I mean, again, this is another one of those, like at some point the NBA is going to have to come to some, and I think the rules committee is going to have a a very fun time uh, this summer kind of figuring this out. But like the game is, I don't want to say it's too offensively oriented because it's fun as heck to watch, but like at some point it's just, too much right like it's it's just too easy for guys to score like you can't do a whole lot and i think that's actually a problem at some level you know what i mean yeah like you just there's no there's no good quote-unquote defense it's too easy to draw fouls the swipe through foul is really easy to draw i mean even though it's not a shooting foul anymore like teams are in the uh, teams, teams are teams reach the foul foul limit with like eight minutes left in the quarter. Like, d- don't tell me that's not an advantage. Yeah, that's you're you're spot on again. I mean, it's it's a real problem, man. I'm telling you, like they're gonna have to do something about it because like good defensive teams don't really make it. Like, yeah, I mean, I think the Bucks are really the last surviving one there, but. You look at the Hawks being an offense first team and the Suns and Clippers, but while both being good defensive teams, mostly being offensive teams, right? I mean, it's weird, man. It's weird. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how this uh how this changes. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean on, yeah, on we, the, and we've got the Bucks going to the finals. I have them winning. Uh, I I just don't think Kawhi is healthy, right? Like, even if no, the Clippers Kawhi, win this Kawhi's series, not healthy. Kawhi is like, not there's no healthy. way. Yeah, he's not. So he's he's sitting in the stands with his family. Come on, yeah, and not not taking flights because it could aggravate his knee. Like that's not. Yeah, that is I, not great. I mean, if you if you're not going on a flight to Phoenix, how are you going to get on a flight to Milwaukee? Yeah. 
And Los Angeles to Phoenix is how many hours? Like four to five hours? I'm sure. Like, Los Angeles Kauai to Phoenix flight? Bus, if Kauai it's like two hours, dude. It's not that far. Los Angeles oh, to Phoenix? Like, it's not two hours. It's not quite two hours, dude. Oh, I'm saying like flight. To, with oh, the, up yeah, time. Oh, the flight is two hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I see. It, I see if, Kauai, yeah, yeah. if Kauai couldn't fly for whatever reason and needed a cab or a bus, they could have arranged that for him. That's right. That's a good point, too. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we'll I see, mean, though. It, I don't it's, really. It, it's his season looks to be over, and uh, I I'm starting to doubt whether he'll be ready for training camp in the start of next season. Vikram, it's starting to get to that level for me. And I also think that he is likely to, uh, he is likely to, actually. Take his player option, right? I think he's going to pick, pick up that his up. player option. Yeah. I don't see him getting a better contract right he, now. Right? He cannot health. go into he cannot go into free agency looking like this. This is not this is not the last time Kawhi got hurt like this when he sp- took the year off with the Spurs and teams were still willing to pay him whatever he he wanted, right? I mean, this is teams the same leg as that quad to too, huh? Yeah, this is the same leg as that quad. Yeah. It's definitely worrying, man. So, I mean, I'm hoping for his sake that he can come back healthy. I don't expect it in this series, but we'll see. Or or, or will Kawhi opt out of his deal and the Clippers, like, promise? like they, I mean, and the Clippers extend him, basically. That's the only reason why he would opt out is, is because the Clippers extend him. Yeah. 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 So that's good. Uh, yeah, I don't see any other team jumping in, though we've seen weirder things. Uh, I mean, and it, with Kawhi, it is um, unconditional. Yeah. Anyway, anyways, moving on. So um, I just wanted to read this tweet that just passed by. Uh, uh, and uh, I mean, this has to do with, uh, with Paul George, but I just wanted to give it, give it a shout out. Uh, Paul George in the last 10 games. So this is Paul Paul George's line in the last 10 games. 27 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. 31 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists. 31 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. 37 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists. 28 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. 34 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. 26 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. 27 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists. 23 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists. 41 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. That's Paul George's last 10 games. Beast mode. Playoff P. Playoff P. Yeah, not pandemic P. After last game, you might have thought that way. Yeah. Not this game. Not this game. Not today. He's balling out, Not today. He's balling out. Not today, Satan. Okay, well, let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. I like it. I like it. Uh, I try. I try. Anyways, so I wanted to go over before we ended the podcast. Um, Chauncey Billups, who is actually an assistant on the Clippers and uh, known for being Mr. Big Shot. Great years with uh, with Detroit. Great years from Denver, too, and uh, uh, obviously uh, a big name in NBA circles. He has signed a 
five-year contract to be the head coach of the tra- head coach of the Trailblazers. It's four years with one year being a team option. So, but mm-hmm. I I don't know what that means. Coaches get fired all the time. It doesn't like it's it's not really the 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 option doesn't matter in in, in my in my point of view. But but anyways, like uh, Chauncey Billups is the new head coach of the of the of the Blazers. Apparently, he was uh, uh, Damian Lillard's second choice to be head coach after Jason Kidd. Uh, his overwhelming favorite was was Jason Kidd, according to uh, Chris Haynes. So all this talk about Damian Lillard not being involved in the coaching search, it's just uh, it sounds like pure hogwash to me. But uh, but anyways, um, Chauncey Billis goes to Portland again. I don't know how he fits how he fixes Portland's problems, and uh, right before the Trailblazers made that hire official, Chris Haynes came out with an article that basically uh, said that Damian Lillard wants out. And for those of you who do not know the relationship between Chris Haynes and Damian Lillard, it's about as close as a journalist and player relationship can possibly be. Uh, they are uh, tied at the hip. Chris Haynes used to be a, a security guard for Portland during Damian Lillard's rookie year. They're extremely, extremely close. In fact, Damian Lillard broke the news that Chris Haynes is moving to Yahoo Sports. Uh, they're clearly friends. Chris Haynes clearly acts as a mouthpiece for Damian Lillard. And when Chris Haynes writes about Damian Lillard, it is almost 100% true. And uh, this sheds light on his situation in Portland is he now asking out? Is that loyalty thing thrown out the window? What kind of team is Chauncey Billups going to be stepping into? And uh, Vikram, the floor is yours. I mean, I think uh, my favorite my favorite talk on this was from Nate Duncan and Daniel Rue. They call uh, specifically Nate Duncan calls the Portland situation the Silas after uh, Paul Silas <laughs> taking over in Houston and uh, James Harden being shunted over. And so apparently Portland is the next Silas. So uh, that's kind of, that kind of sums it up for me. I think this is a no win job for Chauncey Billups. I think it's good for him as a first time coach to get it. And same thing with Silas in Houston. I actually think he's done quite good and quite quite well in Houston. Uh, I I thought that he played players in some good ways. Jay Sean Tate looks good. I mean, I I think he's done fine there. I think Billups is going to be much of the same. Uh, I think it just remains to be seen how much and what you can get for Dame whose contract is not that great or is not projected to be that great. So we'll see. Uh, I think that if if indeed you are about to sell him, uh, it's about you're, you're going to end up having to kind of get pennies on the dollar, I think, for him at this point. So we'll see, but I'm well, not It depends on what you want. Do. It depends on what you want if you're the Trailblazers. If you're the Trailblazers and you're also packing up CJ McCollum's backs to go elsewhere, then you probably want draft capital, right? And you want that draft capital to, to build something sort of close to what New Orleans has. I mean, uh, like, uh, what, what is that team? The Thunder are on, are, are on another stratosphere when it comes to draft picks. I don't think you're aiming for that kind of a thing. But, like, you're probably aiming to get younger uh, get cheaper and start to rebuild for the future. But the trailblazers that have never struck me as that sort of a team, 
they're a sort of team that likes to retool more than rebuild, if that makes sense. And if, with that in mind, like the 76ers come to mind as a uh, logical trading partner just because the Sixers need scoring out of their backcourt, which Jamie Lillard, Lillard provides in bunches, and the um, and the Blazers would like to have a bigger ball handler next to CJ McCollum, or so, trade CJ McCollum. Are they are they going to trade CJ McCollum? And and that's the question. If they're retooling and they're keeping CJ, then. I mean, I think this is a blow it up moment, right? I think you just trade. I mean, if you trade Dave, you blow up the team up. But are you sure about that? Yes. Yeah, I am. What, what, is the the return, what if the return for CJ isn't there? You want to get off his contract. I mean, you, you I mean, like this is almost a you get off you have to get off his money type of thing. Which team would want to take his money for I mean, you think that, the that, Knicks? You think the Knicks wouldn't give up something for CJ at this point? Well, yeah. You know, I just like there are a couple teams with cap space. I think you could make it happen. I think you could absolutely make it happen, man. I, I think mean, the CJ to the Mavs is something interesting as well. You don't well. Think, I think and CJ McCollum are a good pairing. Like if, like you're losing Dame, you made the best out of that situation. I mean, I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I'm just... Like, okay, but yeah, I'm, I just, I'm not really sure what that gets you. Especially because I think you could get, I'm pretty sure you could get Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum at this point. Okay. And I, I love, like, we're not even talking about Chauncey Billups here. Like, this is all about Dane. This is all about. I mean, yeah, because, like, what is, Cha- like I said, it's the Silas, bro. Like, this is the Silas situation. It's the Silas. I, I will stand by that. Of course it is. Of course it is. And but if if you're if you're uh, the Blazers and you want draft picks and you want them this year, you should uh, really go talk to the Warriors. In the lottery. Right? Uh, wink, wink. Nod, nod. I uh, mean, I think I'm quite sure the Warriors would trade Wiseman this pick, the third, the seventh pick, the fourteenth pick, and Andrew Wiggins for Dame. I'm pretty sure that would happen. I'm pretty sure that would happen too. And then you can uh, and you can trade CJ for uh, for Ben Simmons and uh, look wonderful. Now you can build around Wiseman and Ben Simmons in Portland and woohoo! And uh, and a young Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> How's that? You know that's important. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, that th- that would be the dream for the for the Warriors. Uh, obviously, they're uh, the Warriors, and we'll go into this. Like, there have been a bunch of rumors today. Like, it's been insane. And like, as we get because the the draft is coming up here really quickly after the NBA Finals are over, we're gonna see some of these rumors actually materialize during the NBA Finals. I think. I think you're exactly right, especially since a lot of the not going to say the interesting teams, but a lot of teams that are interesting uh, will have some opportunity to make some moves now. Absolutely. And, and because, especially because of the shorter off season as well. 
Exactly. So another thing I want to bring up about Chauncey Billups' hiring is it has been met with a lot of backlash from the Blazer fan base because of Chauncey Billups' history with uh, sexual assault, which uh, happened uh, in 1997. Uh, it, it was when he was a, a younger player with the with the Celtics. Uh, he, it was settled out of court. And uh, that is the thing that is troubling most of the Blazer fans right now regarding Billups and his hiring is that checkered past that he has. Um, what, what is your take on that? And obviously, uh, the da- Dallas Mavericks with Jason Kidd uh, have a very, very similar situation. Um, and it's something that we should talk about. Yeah. I mean, so I'll be honest. I don't know a ton about Chauncey Billups's level of contrition or anything after the fact. So I can't really speak intelligently to that. I don't believe Jason Kidd has kind of gone on a, a, Hey, I'm really, not saying like I'm sorry, kind of thing. I don't know if Chauncey Phillips has kind of had that uh, that moment with it or not. But yeah, I mean, Jason Kidd has a mugshot, and Chauncey Phillips doesn't. So that's that's somewhat important. I think that that is like right. a that is something that does matter in this context. So, mm-hmm. but at, I mean, like again, this is this is one of those things where if as a league you say one thing you kind of have to live by it. And I don't think they are. And so, especially, like, the the Portland thing is one thing. Uh, I think the worst one of this is, is in Dallas, where uh, we know that... We know that uh, the Mavericks have had an issue. I'm trying to be careful here. Uh, but... The Mavericks have had a legitimate issue with sexual harassment in the organization, I believe was the thing, and just hostile working conditions more generally. And to go with, like, to to be in this position now seems like a really bad idea to me. I don't know. Maybe you have a different take on it than me, but, like, I, I just think it's in poor taste, especially for the Mavs organization on this, given the recent history of their organization and now the secondary issue. It just seems like a bad the, the, plan. The thing, the thing about that for me is that if this is the first time Jason Kidd was ever considered for a head coaching job and this came up, I wouldn't have minded. This is his third, this is Jason Kidd's third head coaching job in this, in this decade. At some point, uh, at some point, the I just don't think at some he, point the, the the water all is going to taste the same. Yeah, I, I get what you're trying to say there. Yeah. The other thing is, like, let's be realistic. I don't know that Jason Kidd is like that great of a coach either. I and and that's what I'm judging him by is is coaching. Just because there's a sample size there, and 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 that's what and, and I would judge him by that. First and foremost, before before sexual assault claims, because it he's already had an NBA head coaching job. He's already had an NBA assistant head, assistant coaching job, and 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 that and should you question uh, the the sexual assault claims? Absolutely, you should. And 
should Jason Kidd have to apologize for it at every walk of his life, every step that he takes? Yes. Well, I think that... Do I also would, believe in second chances? Yes, yes you should believe I in do. second chances. But you know what would be but, really nice? To see him make a public statement to that effect and say, I'm working with Organization X to bring awareness to this because it's a really important issue that has profoundly affected my life and I want to make that explicitly clear. Like, there are ways to do this. I would love to hear that from Jason Kidd. I would love to. And like that, but there are easy ways to do this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's my biggest problem with it. Not that, you know, I think that Jason Kidd is a bad person or anything like that. And I I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as both an NBA player and particularly some of, I think he's done a really good job as assistant coach for the Lakers, for example. I think that, that should be said. But overall, I mean, it's like I said, it's a bad look. And I think that the NBA is going to kind of regret that. Like you make all and it's, it's kind of like the China situation, right? Where you make these statements publicly about what you believe in. Uh, but then when it comes to when it comes to brass tax, you end up not paying it. Right. And I think that that type That's of you, you just, it, this has consequences, in my opinion. And so That's fair. we'll see. You got to stand up as organizations for what you believe in. And if you say I'm against X, Y, and Z, and again, I go particularly with the mass, but if you say that, well, you kind of have to live by it. So that's my opinion on it. Yeah. And is this the first time you're hearing about the Chauncey Billups stuff? It's the first time for me. Uh, yeah, I'd never heard of this before. Uh, and so maybe it's, it's probably because it was settled out of court there, and there's not a mugshot, like you said. There, there's settled out of court, not a mugshot, but way back in 1997, where these things were shoved under the rug like very easily. Yeah, I, I think that's probably why I've never heard of this, but it's not great for, like I, mean, I said, it's not a great look for the league, simply I, put. All I know about Chauncey Billups is Mr. Big Shot. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And I really enjoyed watching him in several different games and on several different teams, right? Like, I loved watching him on the Nuggets. I actually remember him on the Nuggets. So, I mean, we'll see, man. So, it's a weird scenario for these teams to be in. Very weird. And with that, uh, we're going to end this podcast. So, again, you you guys... uh, uh, gonna, I mean, we're gonna wind down these conference final series uh, with more episodes coming up very soon, and uh, our dra- our draft coverage is gonna pick up as well. So be please stay tuned for that, and also free agency rumors, trade rumors are starting to are, are starting to come up on the horizon, especially involving uh, a certain team in the Bay Area. So we're gonna keep you posted on that as well. Uh, a, a lot of things to talk about in the coming days, and I uh, can't wait to talk about it with you, Vikram. Yeah, absolutely, man. I can't wait. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun coming up, man. All right. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, for Vikram, uh, this is Guru. Uh, have a great day. Keep having fun. Absolutely, man. Have a good night.